This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron. I'm joined, not as always, because you were gone last week, but I'm joined by Mike Spears. Welcome back, sir. Hey, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, Yeah, no, uh, I've had an interesting week. I'm glad to be back. Great show y'all did last week. Uh. I, now y'all have the longest continuous streak of being on the show. I I have sat down. I did my Cal Ripken thing where they canceled the game so Cal Ripken continue his streak, but it doesn't work that way in the podcasting world. So, yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you, Aaron? Uh, glad to know that you are no longer podcasting's Iron Man. I'm glad to take that. Actually, I think I was off the show like, what, three Nate, weeks ago or something? Nate is the Iron Man at the show. Congratulations, also, Nate. You also just quit the show, Aaron, so I don't think you can... Okay. First of retired. all, a little rude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know that we had to bring that up so much. Um, um, well, it, it amused me, so that's what's important. Well, the rude uh, person yeah. that you've just heard is uh, the other member of the podcast. It's Nate. Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. Do you have a new black-pink shirt? I, I don't recall seeing that one before. We have discussed this one in the past. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> this so, is not a no. bit, folks. <laughs> I'm no. just dumb. Aaron, yeah, Aaron does not remember much from episode to episode. Um, which is fine it, that, you know, it, it helps us appeal to the casual listener. Is that a thing? The casual podcast listener, <laughs> they can, know. they can get the same experience as Aaron hearing everything for the first time. Um, yeah, uh, I'm happy to be everything elites Iron Man. Now, um, I will never give up the crown and the title. Uh, Nate, I mean, Hello. Here's some good content for the listeners. Uh, we're you and I are gonna be hanging out tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to Limp Biscuit tomorrow. That's right, baby. Um, you got? Are you leaving pretty early in the day? I have to. It's a four and a half hour <laughs> drive. <laughs> I'm driving four and a half hours to see Limp Biscuit in 2021. Yeah, I'm driving like 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to get like a hotel. <laughs> It really it works to my advantage that all the concerts are, you know, in the Chicago metropolitan area, not so much in the Kentucky metropolitan area. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, I guess, to live uh, in a big, huge fucking city that everything runs through. Hey, you know, and I'm I'm not even in the city. When you're in the city, it's even nicer. I'll tell you yeah. what. But it's it's close for you. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. The Lip Biscuit. I saw them in 1999. Was the last time I saw Lip Biscuit. So. I've never seen them. To kind of get in the uh, <laughs> get in the right sort of headspace, I listened to Cypress Hill Rock Superstar about five times today. Yes. Oh, yeah, great song. Hadn't probably hadn't listened to that song since the movie Little Nicky came out. Um, but you know, <laughs> you, you you never forget. You can get right in there and you know uh, speak along with the spoken interlude and and without having missed a step. Okay, now I'm thinking about that because I I want to say that was on like was it a double disc? Like of the Cypress Hill album? 
Yeah. Or the, or the little Nikki soundtrack. <laughs> Four LP little Nikki soundtrack. <laughs> no, the uh the Cypress Hill album. No, apparently not. But it had there was Rock Superstar. Oh no, oh, no it was a two disc album. I'm right. Mm. There there was Rock Superstar and Rap Superstar. Yes. And I I presume like Rock Superstar was the hit, right? That was the single. Yeah, for and Rap sure. Superstar was just like the album cut. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Eminem and Noriega on Rap Superstar. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. How about yeah, it? I definitely will be listening to this on my drive now <laughs> to uh, beautiful Hammond, Indiana. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'm looking at the soundtrack now, and there's a lot of like Tony Little Hawk. Pro- soundtrack? Yeah. Oh, there's I had a lot. I had that I, shit on loop. I think. I think I might have had it because I'm looking at it and I definitely remember like School of Hard Knocks going into part of me. Love School of Hard Knocks. Was a huge POD guy at the time. Um, <laughs> payable on Death. Payable on Death. Uh, that was great because I could listen to their album while at my Christian sleepaway camp or whatever and be like, no, it's about Jesus. Uh, but they're rapping and it's cool. Uh, again, it had Un Loco was on there. Muse was on there. First Muse appearance in uh, in the states, probably. Yeah, that's super early. Uh, Deftones, you know, Death shouts out to Titus Welliver. Uh, I think an acoustic change in the House of Flies on there. Filter. Yeah. God, this Filter. is a multiple De- Deftones tracks. Like this, this album oh, goes. Yeah. Disturbed? Was there a special Little Nicky remix of Disturbed, I think? Yeah, Disturbed Stupefied. Huge. Nate, let's play a game within a game. Oh, you've already named a bunch of tracks. There's a couple (laughs) more that you've not mentioned on this track that we've. There's two big ones that you've left off here. Think of the Um, time frame and think of who might be on the soundtrack. So, uh, what came to mind was the Foo Fighters cover of Have a Cigar, but I think that was the Godzilla soundtrack. Not on the soundtrack. Um, uh, was, was Cave by Un Loco? Was that the Un Loco song? Nothing by Un Loco. Oh. Wow. This I, is I, I gave eerily kind of reminiscent hint. of the five-star match. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's the uh, listing things is that it gets you. Yeah. Uh, when Worlds Collide by Power Man 5000 and oh, Points yeah. of Authority by Lincoln Park. Okay. Yeah, the, the points of authority I probably wouldn't have even registered because it's like, oh well, you know, I have the I have hybrid theory. I don't need this. But but yeah, when worlds collide, that was a big one. Oh man. Yeah, that th- that was the one I kinda give a hint to when I was talking about Tony Hawk Pro Skater as soundtrack. Hmm. I don't know if I think about that as a Tony Hawk song. That was the the beauty of soundtracks at the time where you'd be like, Oh, this has four songs that I want. Now I don't have to spend fifteen dollars on each one of these albums. I can get all four of these songs on one album. And then just whatever other shit the label put on. Uh, the Cypress Hill album, Skull and Bones. Skull being all hip-hop and Bones being all Ooh. new metal. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did y'all know uh, they, were, that... they beat Foo Fighters to the punch on that one. They did. They did. They did. did y'all know that Muse has its own wiki? Because I'm trying to get like the full like background <laughs> behind this. And there's musewiki.org. Oh, wait, I've got the AEW tie-in here. Okay, let's go. The song Rock Superstar was a radio hit on both rap and rock stations. It was once performed live by the band with Slash, Matt Sorum, and Duff McKagan. (laughs) Okay, so Guns N' Roses? 
Duff McKagan is on the Jericho podcast sometimes, right? I'm not making that up. Yeah, that's right. Duff's joke of the yeah. week. Yeah. God damn it. You're not, <laughs> no, you're it not making it up. I mean, no. thanks everybody for it, no selling. I it's mean, maybe it. not my first, uh, you know, touchstone for Duff McKagan. I don't go right to Chris Jericho <laughs> <laughs> so <Wow>. much. <laughs> You, uh, you could have said he was on the Jericho cruise and would be like, all right, no, no, that totally makes sense there. Like, like uh, there's a through line there, but the podcast, I mean, that's maybe be a step too far, Nate, don't you think? Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have noted, but this podcast is devoted exclusively to the, uh, what is it? Elite Extended Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Every, wait, to AEW and Elite Extended Universe. Yeah, so obviously Duff McKagan is in the Elite Extended Universe. Have you hit any uh, GNR on your Rolling Stone albums list? Yeah, um, whatever the the famous <laughs> use your illusion. <laughs> Probably appetite for destruction. Would appetite be my for guess. destruction. Yes, that was that was on there. Uh, and it, man, it has this fucking great song on it that I love that I'm trying to look up now. Mm. That is, it has the title that Mr. is Mr. Brownstone. No, out to get me. Out to get me. Mm, okay. That would that would not have been my first pick off that album. Are you familiar with the song? Um y- yes, yeah. Okay. Well, it has uh let's see. Oh yeah. So the chorus is they're out to get me. They won't catch me. I'm fucking innocent. They won't break me. But the last chorus on the song, they're out to get me, they won't catch me because I'm innocent, so you can suck me in the way he <laughs> says it. I just fucking love <laughs> I like immediately, I was like, oh yeah, this song's cool. And when he said, so you can suck me, I immediately hearted it on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Added it to my like songs playlist. That's, yeah, that's sure. a big, big heart. I <laughs> <laughs> love GNR. Uh, the YouTube comments are going to be really fierce this episode. We're already 10 minutes in. And <laughs> I don't know how much y'all go to the YouTube, but they have usually there's one person that in the comments on like every single VOW show, they'll put in whatever the banter ends and actually the wrestling coverage starts. So I want to say thank you to that person. That's a great <laughs> fix. Instead of having people complain, then yeah. you can just solve the problem. Also, I get a lot of use out of the YouTube timestamp feature and commenters um so i think that people that go through youtube videos and add timestamps in you know because i'll click on like some three-hour japanese concert and i'll be like oh i want this song and this song and this song oh yeah uh, yeah it's a it's a very helpful so shout out to all the people doing work in the youtube comp oh when i'm watching korean league of legends i can just go straight to uh pick ban and then go straight into the match by just clicking the, the timestamps i mean they're the real troops but they're yeah. gonna have a field day with this one Looking at this uh, Lip Biscuit set list when I saw them in 1999, and the song I most hope they play that that is on this set list is No Sex. Maybe my favorite Lip Biscuit <laughs> song. <laughs> Which album is that? No Sex is off of uh, Significant Other. Really? Okay. I was going to guess $3 Bill, y'all. No, it's a song about um, how what could hard that it be is about? To, to have so much sex, you know? Oh. Uh. Did we discuss this last time? I think so. <laughs> oh, no. We... <laughs> I've definitely talked about this. I love this song. It is the funniest fucking song. So, but I, I bet they don't play it. But we'll have, we'll be back to talk about uh, our our time at the Limp Bizkit yes. concert. If Maybe not that'll... here, then on the Patreon. We'll figure yeah, it out. So that would be some good Patreon content. Uh, but okay, it's probably time to talk about the show. Uh, our Twitter account, at everything AEW. 
I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Mike, I shouted out your Twitter last week, even though you weren't here. So, you know, I appreciate it. I, I kept you in the loop. Thank uh, you. Make, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Just search everything elite on the podcast app of your choice. Hit subscribe. You get these as soon as they come out. Uh, give us a five star rating and review if you use the Apple Podcasts app. And the best way to support the show, of course, is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. We will kick off the show as we always do, no matter who's here with elite or delete. Uh, Nate, I have my own bet in my in my brain of what your elite pick is going to be. So interesting. Let's hear it. I uh, I feel like most of your bets about me are wrong. <laughs> I feel like you often you often ha- seem to have an idea about what I'm going to do or say, and you're like, "Oh, that's not what I was expecting." That's my that's my opinion of your opinion of me. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Okay, uh, so I haven't <laughs> done this one in a while. So, uh, elite on this show is the AEW audience. Is that God, was God, that your guess? No, no, of course, course it wasn't. wasn't. Of course it wasn't. <laughs> Also, um, if you would read the fucking sheet, I already had that as the listener elite. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, maybe the listeners should stop stealing my ideas that I have shared with no one. Uh, yeah, so, you know, Miami, I don't know. The crowd, it didn't feel like a super hot, super urgent, super important pro wrestling crowd to me. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is like, I don't know, a, a little different than a Daily's Place show vibe. Uh, but this felt like one of the old Dynamites. This felt like one of the original run of Dynamites where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, all those little quibbles we have with this show or all those little hiccups or all those little segments that are a little repetitive and it feels like you're hitting the same notes because, you know, one faction comes out and the other faction comes out for the save or whatever and people talking. All that stuff goes down so smoothly when it's just you have a – real crowd there excited to see people and reacting live to shit and everybody is over with them and they're like oh holy shit here comes the dark order to make the save who would have imagined that happening again uh and then it happens they're like yes i'm so happy to see this uh and they cheer and they get excited and then you as the viewer are like oh this is this is cheerful and exciting um so that's my pick is the return of the genuine great aw dynamite television audience in a sold-out building on TNT and Prime. It's something with, like, certain segments on this show would have not have worked in dailies with how many other people they had there if it was taped, right? Like, specifically, like, Hangman and Omega, that segment would have drone on without a crowd. And the crowd just livens everything. And, you know, we really didn't have it happen in Miami other than, like, Diamante. But, uh, having hometown guys that the crowd just gets so invested in. I mean, Ricky Starks, Sammy Guevara, I am stoked to see what's going to come out of the elevation taping this week just because of the, the the possibilities that could be there, like Thunder Rosa amongst others. And this crowd, like... Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes, yeah. That's the big one. I mean, he's Austin. He lives in Austin area. Like, bad on me. But it just, like, brought so much life to it. And it really makes like that one take about like hating crowds coming back, just like <laughs> completely and utterly dog shit. Like just within like the first like few minutes, but yeah, no, the crowd absolutely owned here and it's something that was much needed. And you know, uh, the Miami crowd, I would say 
they were hot for when people came out, I would say. Like the pops for people like were really strong, but they were willing to get away with it. Get it, or rather, they got kind of away from it in a match. Like they would sit, sit on their hands for some of the ones, and especially like in the elevation tapings. But this uh, Cedar Park crowd, I mean, they brought it for two hours. Like they're the real MVPs, other than uh, Darby's back. Yeah, the moment when the crowd, when I was really excited about the crowd, was when Carl Anderson came out second and they booed him immediately. And I was like, oh, yeah, the AW crowd will pretty much go along with what's happening, even though, like, Carl Anderson is cool, you know, and, like, people love Carl Anderson. And honestly, in my mind, I was expecting, like, oh, Carl will probably get a, a nice reaction here. And when they started booing him, I was like, oh, yes, I love these crowds. I'm happy they're back. And uh, that was very exciting. I agree with what you said, Nate, that it does make some of the stuff go down easier. There were like, this is what I'll bitch about on on Delete. There were like a few things that still irritated me and they pretty much all did not involve the crowd. So I think that probably uh, explains some of that. But yeah, couldn't agree more. Nice to have the crowd back. I'm not going to change it now. So Thoros is still getting the listener Elite for uh, shouting at the crowd. So... You know, just didn't go exactly how I wanted. Uh, Ross Fernley in the YouTube chat asked, is SmackDown's 14,000 on Friday as loud slash active as AEW's 5,000 tonight? Uh, they're also in Texas, correct? I don't know. Yeah. Man. Is that this right. upcoming SmackDown? Yeah, I think they're at the hangar. I think they're at the AAC. Um, I, I it, 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 it sounds like I'm not being objective if I say that no, but I just kind of don't think they will be. Be objective, Nate. Be. Uh, <laughs> it's actually Houston on Friday. They will be in Fort Worth on Sunday, and then they'll be in Dallas on Monday. So it'll be at the, is it still the Toyota Center? In Houston? Don't know. I, I just unmuted the to shrug my there. shoulders, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Big help. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. Um, all right, Mike, what was your pick? What did you really like from the show? Guys, uh, Omega and Hangman, that whole, that whole segment, like, uh, it's something that like, I know we've talked about, about how like hitting beats, it was something they did so well coming out of the gates and it was something that they've had issues with, but boy, did everything was tied together so well. And as we see, like there was a route for Hangman versus Omega, I feel like that out of everything on the show, like there were solid matches. Yeah, the main event was nuts. Uh, but Omega and Hangman, just the way they played off it and having the elite out there and then now having my bread and butter, a five on five elimination match next week is just something that I'm totally here for. And the way that like Hangman it feels but like I know everyone was like, Is it gonna be at the right time? Is it gonna be the right time? No, it's Hangman's time now. And coming back to crowds, how we were gonna sit and see like what's gonna be the deal with Dark Order, how is Hangman gonna be perceived. And, like, as much as anyone would have wanted, Dark Order, crazy over. Hangman feels like that he's going to be the guy to to win it all out. And, you know, everyone played their part very well. And it's just something how seamlessly they've moved this feud from being somewhat in Jacksonville and having the crowds there. It's now on the road, and it just feels like a huge, huge star. And I think that this segment was the best thing on the show tonight. Yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, it was kind of like the 
even improved upon version of last week's segment with the with the crowd in Miami where it's like, oh yeah, they're behind Hangman. They want Hangman. It you know feels feels earned, feels organic. Was I the only person that got confused about when this match was happening? Because Hangman wanted it tonight. He wanted the match tonight, but then I missed where it was said that it was going to be next week for an elimination match. So then I was like, oh, well, they don't have time for it tonight. Are they going to do it like this will be the dark main that's on elevation or something? Was I the only was I alone on that? I did not realize it was next week until Mike just said it. But no, I I didn't think I just assumed it was happening I, sometime in the future. I, I think it's next week. Like I might I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. Like I'll I'll look and see if I'm wrong on air here. I just looked on their it, Twitter account. They haven't announced it. Okay, because I was like, well, Hangman wants the mask. He's like, I'm not leaving in without wrestling or something. Mm-hmm. Or, well, he I, said I'm not leaving until I get the match. I mean, it was my the way I took it. Okay. But that's not, yeah. I don't know. When it became clear that they were not going to like bump another match or something and they were not yeah. going to do it, I was like, okay, well, maybe that's like the dark main event, you know, because you, you have a sold out crowd in, in Austin that sold out without matches from a bunch of your big stars on it. You're the elite and all these dark order guys. So you give them a big dark main event or something and maybe, maybe it goes on elevation. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to find out because I was confused about it. I'm well, still I, trying to find this out. I guess we better keep watching. We'll find out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's They do not have it on the Twitter account. I'm looking all the way through the AEW Twitter account for when they've announced this match, and I don't see it. So maybe this match is just the match we want to have in our hearts at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I added it now to the list, so I'll, we'll... We'll really get this here in about, I don't know, <laughs> 90 minutes. Um, okay, my choice. Hey, this is still around. I thought you would pick this, Nate. The main event. You always pick the main event when it's good. So I was surprised you didn't go with the main event. I always pick the main event when it's good. Yeah. So that was your prediction for me? Yeah, I thought you'd go with the main event. It was yeah, hot. I did. The crowd I, was really into it. I thought about it. it. I yeah. thought about it. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to zag kind of. I was like, well... I've picked a lot of Darby main events because uh, he's had a lot of good main events on Dynamite. I don't know. I'd have to think about all how many of the his really great ones were in 2021, and if you can make a make a sort of wrestler of the year case for Darby Allen. Brian Cage was definitely 2021. Um, anyway, go on. Somebody tweeted, I can't remember who, that it was a feather in Ethan Page's cap to be headlining Dynamite. It's like. Yeah, he's joined such luminaries as Preston Vance to headline Dynamite <laughs> with Darby I Allen, mean, who's the actual star. I that is kind of an accomplishment. I don't know. It it, it should be a big deal if you main event a episode of Dynamite, which is a big deal wrestling program on TNT. Um, Literally, you know. Preston Vance did this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, but I think. I think I did complain about that. Oh yeah, no, he did twice actually, didn't he? he did a Derby match yeah. and he did like a tag match. Yeah. Uh he he also did the uh Brody Lee Memorial okay. show. Yeah. Anyway, my, my I still loved the match, so I want to talk about it briefly. Mike and I talked about this morning, uh, you know, how it would be compared to the old Derby and Ethan Page matches. Oh, I think I said that if this match happened, I was gonna do a a rewatch of all the old Darby and Ethan Page matches, and I did not do that. Uh, and I even <laughs> talked a guest into doing it with me, and I didn't do it. Awful. Anyway, 
this we was could just, we could just repost you the episodes of the old podcast and just put <laughs> yeah. them on the feed. <laughs> That's true. Um, anyway, uh, the match was great. So it was super hot. Crowd brawls are back. That was exciting to like go right to doing that. That was fun. Darby, you know, shocking no one, uh, did completely insane bumps, including one after the match. It was just really, it had everything you wanted. Here's the key, though. Uh, Darby won. That was very important. And what really, you know, I might have to take this elite pack, elite pick back if this feud continues. Like, this should be the end of this. They can go back to this later if they want to, you know, six months from now, eight months from now, they can match up again. But I just think they should, they built up to a fucking coffin match. Darby put him in a coffin and then uh, coffin dropped onto the coffin. It's over. He kicked his ass. He's got to move on. So my elite pick is based on the fact that they had a great match, uh-huh. ended the feud in an excellent way. Yeah, I think you're being a little optimistic there. I think it's probably going to go on until we're like, is this still going on? And then there will probably be like another great thing to end it. And then we'll be like, well, you know, it seems like it kind of lost its way in the middle of that feud for a while and it got a little aimless. Uh, but then they brought it back around to to do a big peek at the end. Uh, that seems to be kind of the pattern of most of the feuds uh, in this promotion. But yeah, it would be cool just to see like Darby square up with somebody else like in two weeks or something. Great match. Um, you kind of you kind of knew it would be great. You know these guys work well together. You knew Darby was going to go out in the big spot and just do insane shit, which he did. Um, I, I saw a Rob Naylor posted a video of the crowd during the break when Darby did the big Corquin spot in the crowd where you go on top of the entranceway and jump off of it. Um, and it just it felt so much more like lively and, um, you know, energetic and, and like a real fucking scene was happening uh, when you got the whole stadium there instead of these, you know, camera views where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm right directly on this guy's face. Um, also, they did that during an ad break, which <laughs> was funny. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, the fucking Ethan's Edge on the stairs was a bonkers spot. And then the coffin drop through the coffin after the match, fully insane. You kind of knew something was happening because Darby kept, he was on the turnbuckle and you could see the fuck Chikara referee guy. What's his name? Chikara referee. Bryce. 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 You could see Bryce was like, kept looking over the coffin and was like communicating something to Darby over and over again. Um, so you knew something was happening, but uh, executed perfectly, looked awesome. You know, this is what we talk about with all these big stunts that this promotion does sometimes. It's like, oh no, with Darby, you just fucking do it and it looks awesome. And that's why he's a big star or, you know, that contributes in a lot of ways to why he's a big star. Uh, and you don't, you know, get too cute and try and gimmick these things. So it's like perfectly safe and antiseptic or whatever and looks like shit. Um, so yeah, it was awesome. It was even like, you know, the the little thing of like, oh, you know, Sting comes out to even the odds. Of course Sting comes out to even the odds. Why else would anything happen? Scorpio Sky is there to help his buddy and Sting comes out. But then you hear the giant fucking pop for Sting and you're like, oh, this is awesome. Everybody's losing their mind in the building. I, you know, I can't help but be excited by this as sort of, you know, uh, paint by numbers as the, the layout of it is. It's just something that, like, 
they really played with the idea of the coffin match and then not make it all about them like trying to slam the coffin shut like the really rote ones and they just had a absolute war i i thought it was a really kind of like nice thing about taking apart the ring rope like taking off the the bomb turnbuckle and using that and i thought that that was sick i thought that uh the ego's edge onto the stairs i mean just just an homage to eric redbeard right there just just having that there and then uh drew says in the chat aew intentionally or not being in the on the meme cycle and delivering a coffin drop breaking a coffin the first week of i think you should leave like that was like it was a coffin flop you know you don't fall uh, on core cop tv you know we're going to show people falling out of coffins you know it's just something that happens there and uh just was awesome i mean it had the right amount of stakes there and i thought that both uh uh scorpio and sting like coming in and getting like that kind of response like justifies the interference other than like you know of course the two of them are gonna have each other's back up there and i feel like everything in this match was justified and delivered yeah i uh you're totally right because that is a big pet peeve for me like when they do those they do the same thing like cage matches, right? Where it's like one guy fighting to get out of cage and the other guy's like, no, you can't pull through this door or whatever. And they're just like having to pretend they're having an actual uh, fight over uh, a cage yeah, door or whatever. Yeah, the door, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, it just always looks fake. Uh, so that was a, a very good thing about the finish is it wasn't, oh, I'm putting my hand up and we're tussling over this door. It's like, no, I'm shutting the door on you and you lose. Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, it's, as we talked about, whether it's the feud ender, I was saying to Mike this morning, if you, if you pretend that the Darby Ethan page evolved feud ended with the big match in Orlando, it was like, it was a great feud, but of course they had another match in like fucking, I don't know, Melrose or something a month later. I think it was Laboom. Oh, eh, I'm willing to believe that, but I've tried to block out the fourth match in the, in the feud. Uh, okay. I already did the listener elite uh man i was not thinking ahead here i need a i need a segue here's what i got summer's coming are you ready to unveil your beach bod i would say summer's here manscape oh it's here but you're in luck our friends at manscape just launched their fourth generation performance package which has the lawnmower 4.0 you heard that right the 4.0 so your whatever your beach bod is whatever you got and you know what this is a body positive podcast. Be proud of whatever your body looks like, but not if it's hairy. Shave that shit off with what they have from Manscaped. You can get 20% off free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash this is. Okay, here's the performance package 4.0. You got the lawnmower 4.0. You have the skin safe technology. It's got a 7,000 RPM motor. I don't know what that means, but it sounds very impressive. It's got a multifunction on-off switch. It's got a travel lock and the spotlight. Okay, if you got the lawnmower 3.0, it's got the little light that helps you shave your nuts. Uh, this, the spotlight goes on and off. So I don't know. I'm trying to imagine a scenario where I need to shave my balls, but I don't want the light to be on. Um, yeah, if, if you have a home intruder and you need to shave your balls, but you don't want to call <laughs> attention to where you are. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, it's waterproof also. So, I mean, I think, uh, that's helpful. Uh, and it's also has the weed whacker, which has a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. 
this bad boy is a nose and ear hair trimmer. I have used this, and it's oh, very it rolls. I bought like a uh, a bad nose and ear hair trimmer not that long ago, and I was growing uh, weary of it. And then, lo and behold, the weed whacker showed up at my doorstep, uh, and it's excellent. It's also got the crop preserver, which I'm just a big supporter of. I just I rub it right between my legs, and I don't chafe. It's great. You got to try it. Aaron, let me tell you something. Having this crop preserver last week in Florida. You oh, know, yeah, absolutely. When you, land in, when you land in Florida, Florida likes to smother its forgotten sons and daughters with a wet, hot blanket, welcoming it back. And you know what did not feel damp? You know what You, you know what felt completely pre- pleasant, you know, no chafing, nothing else? It, it, it was my private area. And you know why? It was because of the crop preserver. <laughs> uh, yeah, so don't forget your sons. Don't make your balls your forgotten sons. I don't know. I was trying to pull something in there uh, with Manscaped. You get 20% off free shipping. You just go to manscaped.com slash this is that's 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash this is escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Okay, we cannot talk about what we didn't like. I think uh, it's going to be a shorter segment, maybe, because I think the show was was pretty damn good. So, Nate, what was something that you picked out that you didn't like from the show? Yeah, uh, no real complaints on this show. I thought it really cruised along. I do. They've got a pretty good balance, I think, of like how many they hit all these backstage segments of the people that you're not seeing wrestling on the show. And I think that's great just to like remind you about. What other other what uh, whatever other people there are, okay. Uh, I think kind of the first match was maybe the down point. I think just because I'm not super high on John Moxley, like as an in ring worker, like he comes out, the energy is off the charts. Everybody's singing along to Wild Thing, enters through the crowd. Eddie Kingston's there. Eddie Kingston maybe like more over than Moxley. Uh, just an awesome scene, awesome energy. Uh, Anderson comes out. Gets the booze, like you said. You know, the AEW crowd wants to play along with the stories because they they still believe that the promotion can tell them good stories. Um, and you, so you get the right reaction there. Uh, and then it kind of goes into like, I don't know. <laughs> There's a funny thing when you take New Japan, the New Japan house style out of the New Japan ring, right? Where it doesn't hit the same way, I guess. Um, much like the new WWE video game, it hits different. Um, you know, I don't know, John Moxley doing the New Japan forearm strikes, it just doesn't really resound to me, uh, the way it does when you know Ishii does it or something. So that was kind of my thing. I, you know, it's just kind of hard to get to that next level with that match where I'm like, yes, this is fucking cruising, these guys are going at it, this is a war. Uh, you know, this is a, you know, classic New Japan finishing stretch with a bunch of reversals and stuff. Uh, I just kind of go, this doesn't really feel the same to me for some reason. So that's like my my quibble. It's something where I have a different match that I thought was the low point of the show, but it, it did have that vibe that like they were trying to have like a Kirk Wynn match on in the middle of Texas and Carl Anderson more than more than anyone else was able to like, I thought Carl was great in this match, but like Moxley, like that was the interesting thing about Moxley in new Japan is that he's just such a style clash. And that's what makes it interesting in new Japan. 
But when you pull that out of New Japan, you have it in AEW, does not play to his strengths. So I, I totally agree with your point on that. Nate. I think that's a, it, it's something that like, even though I, as I enjoy the match, and like now that you're bringing this up, it, it is something that kind of sticks out there. And let's just say just right, right now, Eddie Kingston getting a whole arena cheering for him on national television is like one point in that we live in a just universe because he came out, he had the lead pipe and just was going wild. And the crowd was so behind it. I thought he was the coolest dude in the world. And, you know, he, it, he has translated so well to like the live touring things. It just feels good. But, but yeah, no, like John Moxley, like the charm of John Moxley in New Japan does not work if you do that match in AEW. I thought the match was cool. I had a good time watching it. Um, I think, though, here's what I'm hearing from you, Nate. You tell me if okay. I'm wrong. It was an opening match, uh, it, but it's kind of part of their like weird shit about you know putting this match on first because yeah. I, what I think you're saying is like it didn't have the feel of like a ma- a main event that these guys should be in. But I kind of just enjoyed it. I. When they came out, I said in the Discord, oh, well, this is a weird choice because it's not like the Young Bucks who can do a bunch of crazy spots and, you know, you'll have a crazy 20-minute match. But so I think, I don't know, for what it was, I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, it is. uh, I don't really think this is the reason, but there is a pattern with IWGP US title defenses on Dynamite, uh, which is that they always open the show and they're the only title matches in AEW that go less than 15 minutes. (laughs) So Tony's like, yeah, no, we don't need to give them that much time. Um, yeah, I just, you know, it, it, it's not even specific to this match necessarily. Like Moxley did feel weird in new Japan. It did work to his advantage a lot of the time, like Mike said, but outside of, you know, like his Suzuki match and Ishii match and like Yano match, like a lot of the other stuff in there, it, it, it just kind of has a different kind of awkward thing where he's out of place and it doesn't, uh, doesn't you know fit the rest of the house style and fit the rest of the atmosphere so you know that just kind of carried over here i think um but yeah you know i it's still it's still peaked crowd bought into it huge so i you know would never call it like a bad man uh, moxley just not a great wrestler not a great in-ring wrestler i mean yeah we did this uh, like a month or two ago we were like <laughs> yeah moxley rules he's really good he's like the top guy uh, he's not actually very good at like wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's also morphing into Nick Gage suddenly. Yeah. Like, mm. He walked out and he was like more bald. You know, he's like shaved his head down. He looks yeah. like maybe put on a little weight uh, since the last time we saw him. The beard was a little fluffier. And I was like, I just think this is fucking, this is just Nick Gage now joining AEW. I think his new look rules. I oh, kind of no, like it. I yeah. Mean, I love Nick Gage. I'm not opposed to this. It's cool. All right. Uh, Mike, what did what was your delete pick for this week? I'm going to delete one wrestler, not a match. I'm deleting Brian Cage. I oh, thought wow. That, I thought that Ricky Starks in his first match back was awesome. I thought that he was flying over the place. He was incredibly over. You know, it was all his performance there was really strong. But I thought that Brian Cage just... Didn't I don't think Brian Cage has looked very good in a lot of AEW matches when it's been mainly him having to sell and do like things. It's like Cage has been best when it's been in tag team scenarios or where it's just a squash match. And I loved everything else. I thought the finish of the match was awesome. That that's how you do a good turn and a good interference spot. And Taz selling it was awesome. I thought that Brian Cage like 
that this was a match in Ricky Stark's adopted hometown where he has wrestled there for well over a decade. And it was over and like having a moment there. And it was like stuff like the, like there was like a moment where that there was a suplex in there that uh, he just kind of just like, uh, I, I'm doing a gesture of that only Nate and Aaron could see where he, it, it did not look like that. He was actually like suplexing. It looked like he was just kind of shrugging in a way. And I just, it was something that like, I was so stoked for Ricky Stark's return in Austin, Texas. And then the match, itself felt like a giant it felt like a little bit of a letdown for me and i and a lot of that was things that i was noticing from brian cage i think i totally disagree i kind of think ricky (laughs) starks was out of step in this match uh i think brian cage has uh proved a lot of doubters wrong in the promotion generally because i think he has a really high floor for this kind of television wrestling because he has so many big power spots that will instantly get you know, the people that are watching for big spots to like pop really big. Uh, And that's kind of what I think turned this match around and got it back on the right track after it started a little stilted um, and, you know, didn't quite have the energy uh, that I was hoping it would with, you know, Ricky Starks coming out with the big hometown reaction and stuff. Um, But yeah, I I think they pretty much turned it around. Uh, You know, Cage hit him with a bunch of very cool looking moves uh, and that's kind of like all it takes is he looks really cool. He's huge. He has giant muscles and he just does these big, cool power offense moves. And the crowd goes, Oh yeah, this is cool. And then they get a, this is awesome chant. And then you're like, you're like back on track and you're, and you're on the road to the finish. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Brian cage just had an awesome match with hangman page. Uh, I think he, I think he's proved a lot of people wrong uh, in, in terms of, what they kind of think his uh, his in-ring performance is all about. I'm not sure that I feel proved wrong, but I do think Cage has been better in AEW than he has been in most other places. Like even, you know, people went crazy about the... Even in his Wrestle Circus performance? I got to say, I only watched one Wrestle Circus show ever because uh, Kevin Gill's commentary is so fucking bad that I could not sit through another Wrestle Circus show. So I don't know if he wrestled on that show. I'm sure he did, but that's the only one I ever saw. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, even like everybody was going crazy about uh, the cage. Who was it? Nakajima match in uh, in Noah, which I thought was just okay. Uh, but I've really enjoyed him in in AEW. This match was definitely had some problems early on, but they got it together by the end. I thought it was fine. Oh, the finish was great. Like they for 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 how they've played this off and how this the storyline has been like that was just exactly what was needed i maybe i was looking for something in this match different from others and i just was hoping that it was going to be a match where like really like cemented ricky starks on his return here and, and that's not that and maybe it was something that like my my desire for ricky to have a stronger match made me focus more on cages uh end of the deal than ricky starks but it was just something that like i felt like this match and it, it kind of came to me that i felt like that cage because cage is someone that at least when i've like watched stuff that well, when they've kept it to certain things i i've really enjoyed him in the promotion but there's i i don't know there's just something about this match and it was some things i noticed with cage's performance that kind of got to me yeah no the the beginning of the match you know it's hard for me to say like if any guy was more at blame or anything but yeah they were definitely out of step and out of sync uh and they kind of had to readjust and i <laughs> I was, there was one moment in particular where Ricky was like kicking his arm on the apron 
and like looking to the crowd for a big reaction. I'm like, you're not doing anything, man. Like, um, it just kind of felt like they were lost in place. But yeah, they they got it back on track, which I think is you know almost more impressive than anything when you're able to do that. Guys, Devin Booker's going sicko mode right now. Just want everybody to know. Let's go, Suns, baby. He's got well, he had 38 points through three quarters, but I think he just scored again, so I think he's at 40. I want uh, uh, the finish. I I the finish. The finish of the match, whatever. But I think a smart sort of booking thing to flip the title to Ricky at this point, because. Uh, You've had it on cage for a long time. They were only doing this thing where he would defend it when he's going to win, obviously, because it's like not really a real belt. <laughs> it's it's like it's it's not a real belt when they don't want it to be. And then it's like, oh, now he's going to defend this belt like it's real on the TV show all of a sudden. Uh, but as a sort of like symbol of like Taz's approval, flipping it to Ricky now makes a lot of sense and, and you know, fulfills the purpose of both the story and the belt. So that was that was a nifty piece of business. All right, I guess the thing that I actually thought was the worst thing on the show is going to skip by because I want to bitch about the pacing of of AW Dynamite generally. Like they include every week. It's like yes, we've all, we've talked about how they don't let anything linger, and sometimes like there's certain things that don't get enough time or they're stuck in. You know, most of the good shit happens in commercials. And when it really hit me was like there were, I think, three pre-tapes in a row or three like talking segments in a row. It was frustrating. But it's just like there's so many things on here that didn't have to happen, didn't need to be on this show, could have been shorter. And you could have added those in other places. The fucking weird. Well, actually, I am going to include the worst thing on the show. The fucking weird Malachi Black horse promo in the middle of this really great segment. That sucked, and that was a waste of time. Santana and Ortiz with Tully backstage, waste of time. Uh, we had Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy was a waste of time, but that's not what I'm ta- here to talk about. Oh, that was a good match. Uh, the fucking QT backstage. I mean, literally <laughs> nothing happened in that. It was completely pointless. Had no reason to exist. And uh, even the thing after the the thing about the Christian Cage Matt Hardy thing, I really wanted to bitch about was another run in another somebody saves the day i know you're continuing this jungle boy christian thing but i just feel like it was tacked onto this match in a way you didn't need and then what you're left with is trying to fit in three matches in the last like 35 minutes of this show i'd say half of yuka sakazaki versus penelope was in uh in commercial yeah and most of that wasn't even in picture in picture so you couldn't even see that because they did a I think that's when they did the commercial for Rampage. And, uh, you know, so we missed a lot of that. Uh, So, yeah, it's just kind of, I wish they would come up with all their ideas for the show every week and then erase like four of them and then put the show on. I think that would improve the show literally every week. I don't mind the overall pacing of this episode. I think the thing they're doing where it's like, in the meat of a television segment, when we're between ad breaks, the big chunk of that is going to be a match. And then when you're coming in and out of an ad break or when you're coming in and out of an, a, a match, we're going to have the sort of, you know, backstage character stuff or promos or interviews of this stuff that, you know, hopefully get your characters more over and hopefully, you know, uh, uh, put a new point or a new, uh, rationale or a new, uh, you know, character motivation on a feud or whatever. Uh, I think that's 
good generally. Uh, did they have good ideas for all of those on this show? No. Like, I think probably the low point was the Santana and Ortiz Tully thing. Like, that was not anything. You know, they didn't have an idea. They're sort of like, oh, well, what's I need? Oh, you attack Tully. Okay. Or you do, you attack him and don't attack him. Um, you know, if, if they cut down on just in general these sort of attack angles by like 10, 15%, then I think the show would be better for it. Uh, yeah, the QT thing, oh, I'm going to dump uh, a protein shake maybe on Tony Schiavone's head because uh, I'm a heel. Okay, it, that didn't really... <laughs> I didn't really further whatever he's doing right now. Uh, granted, whatever he was doing has been dropped because Cody moved on to the new thing. Uh, so he's, you know, not in a uh, great position to do something in that spot, maybe. But yeah, you know, not not all winners on this show in that regard. The one saving grace of this Tolly and Tan Ortiz promo was like when when Tolly was like was like stumbling away saying i'll get my boys i'll get my boys that just was just like a very just insane thing to say yeah that was and, that was weird and made me go ah so yeah that was that was the upswing <laughs> of that segment yeah yeah for sure. uh, the, the thing about pacing is and something that like i've noticed at least is they have like Aaron, as you brought up, like they had to do basically three matches in the in the last third of the show. Like they they set it up there, so it was they had to like shove all this thing in there, and it's something that like I feel like I notice usually every week as about eight forty. I'm like, oh, this show is really just flying by. Like it's usually you have a hot opener and then a couple segments. You have a you have another match there, and it's and we're getting close to the to the top there. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. And then, like, with something with, like, the pacing with all of it, it kind of just goes to a crawl for a little bit. And then you have, like, the thing where they have to do everything in the last third of the show because the way that it's balanced out. So it, it, it's something that I feel like if, like, we went through and, of course, like, pacing and, like, people's, like, impressions of it is all subjective. But I, if we did, like, an informal poll of, like, times on the show where like people felt like that the show was flying by versus like snail crawl versus oh wow i think we would see a, an overwhelming trend at this point yeah I, I think the issue with that and i know nate has already suggested he disagrees with me about this but they do the nine o'clock spot has become the legends spot like it's usually chris jericho but often it's matt hardy or christian in stuff that i don't care about that i do think slows the the show down uh, and since I get to pick the listener delete, it will be super deformed saying the two hour Christian Cage, Matt Hardy match. <laughs> oh, that match was good. That match way exceeded my expectations. Uh, and they, they started doing exciting shit early, you know, cause Aaron hates when they like wrestle or whatever. So Christian Cage is like, fine, I'm going to jump off the turnbuckle to the outside and do a big spot Dude, and pop the crowd huge. They did a collar and elbow tie up for like two minutes. Yeah, it was a good match. Crowd was into it. I think I think they're both these guys are super over. Maybe uh, I'm super over both of these guys. How about that? I hated it. Um, your joke, I mean. <laughs> I, yeah, think I, I, I think I'm uh, I'm back to liking Matt Hardy. He still shouldn't be like winning feuds against Sammy Guevara or whatever. Um, but I think I just like. <laughs> Because somebody posted a GIF, it was probably Robert retweeted of the Hockey Talk Man doing a spinning neck breaker and not taking a bump on it, you know, wrestling some VFW hall show. And I was thinking like, man, 
if Matt Hardy was not on TV right now, then he would be out, you know, touring all these indie shows. Oh yeah. Uh, and, you know, working at, at this pace where he'd be trying to take as few bumps as possible. Uh, and I would think he's just like the fucking coolest hustler in the world. Uh, and I can't, I can't say actually you're bad because you're still such a viable star that you're still on television 25 years, 30 years into career or whatever. Um, so I think I just have to be like, yeah, he's the fucking man. He's still doing it. He had a really good promo on road too. Like it was something that I was kind of surprised like how solid he was with it. Like, <laughs> Hey, though I do feel like Nate, he would be at, at your big times. He would be at your new wrestling. He'd be at your, he's someone that like SWE fury would be all over and he'd be taking exactly two bumps during an entire match. Yeah. And he'd t- it would he'd, be on his finish. When he did the, uh, yeah. Bump when he did the twist of fate. Right. Uh, and, and one other one by accident, maybe. I also yeah, like side effect. Side effect. His, 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 his stable of cronies is funny every time. Uh, Cause private party, their energy is, has become really good as heels. I think Isaiah Cassidy is really starting to find like his charisma and his character. Yeah, and, and Helico by himself out there, just out there uh, in a bucket hat. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm fucking the South African luchador. I'm here to support my friend Matt Hardy from North Carolina. Uh, is amusing to me. It it's something that like I don't feel like Matt Hardy is like the problem. I think Matt Hardy's really entertaining. I think that like Christian is just like he's fine, but it's still something where. At this point, I'm like, oh, okay, Christian is just, it's hard for me to get enthusiastic about Christian at this point. Like, yeah. now we, we've had Christian now in this company for almost five months, like almost half a year. And just kind of there after building him as like such a big thing and then like immediately doing like this Matt Hardy storyline, which, you know, I mean, the Road to stuff was really good about it. Like, they did a really good job there. But I just, this was a match that I, it struggled to keep my attention, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't think it's really fair to criticize. Oh, he comes in as such a big thing, and then they go away from that because he came in as like, and they pushed him to the top right away. And all you guys did was complain, like, "Oh, Christian's going to be facing Omega." Christian's presented this big guy, and they totally course correct him. Like, okay, no, we're going to move him down. He's going to do this thing with Jungle Boy and Matt Hardy, uh, and that was the smart and correct thing to do. Um, yeah, he doesn't. You know, he he's kind of an arm's length thing for me, where it's like, no, he doesn't. Uh, you know, stir my heart or make me excited or do anything uh, where I'm like personally invested in him in this promotion. But I think, you know, the normie wrestling AEW fans really love Christian and think that he's over. And I think so, you know, I can't say it's uh, wrong to do. I just don't get the point of either of them. Nobody is more over because of either of these guys. Not hmm. one person. Isaiah Cassidy. No, he yeah, was he was already over. Was Private he over? Party has been over since like the fucking first month of Dynamite. And then yeah. they did nothing for the like the preceding year and a half since and then. They're and still now doing they're nothing. So what's no, the No, they're doing they're doing a whole lot more. I mean, they actually have a role versus being a team that just kind of exists and is out there. Nobody's coming to see Private Party. Nobody gives a shit about Private Party. You Jungle just said Boy they were over. You just said they were already over. Super the over. First, first week in the promotion. I'm saying they were they're they are less over now than they were at the beginning of the promotion. Well, yeah, because they had an artificial pop because they put them over the Young Bucks immediately, and they weren't ready for that spot. So they're like, oh, no, we can't. These guys aren't ready to go out and be 
every week television talents putting on great matches because they just don't have enough reps. So I think they've uh, been repositioned well with the Hardy thing uh, and are, are finding fun things to do there. Um, does this help? It's hard to say with like Jungle Boy. It feels like Jungle Boy is probably already at this spot. Um, but, you know, it gives them something to do and it feels organic. And at some point they're going to do you know, like a Jungle Boy Christian thing, probably. And that will be a, a, a good big win for Jungle Boy. I, I, I don't think Jungle... Oh, go, oh ahead. go ahead. Okay. Uh, I think Jungle Boy right now, it's something that, like, there's going to be such a period of time before Jungle Boy gets the push that, like, that doesn't bother me as much. Maybe it's just, like, I'm done with Christian. Like, that's just a personal thing for me. Yeah, like, I get there's always going to be stuff that is meant for the average person who watches this show that I am not going to enjoy. And that's fine with me, but I can't just pretend I like it because other people like it. <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't work for me. Um, In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. Rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network all right well let's run down the rest of the show of course it kicked off with the iwgp us 
title match with John Moxley defeating Carl Anderson with the paradigm shift. Then we had Lance Archer backstage with Jake Roberts. Not really sure what Jake's role is anymore. Lance just kind of pushes him out of the way every week. Uh, and then Lance says he wants his rematch with Box for the IWGP US title. And they're going to do another Texas death match in Dallas next week. Yeah. They, uh, you know, that should be good. Yeah. It, you know, I think it uh, betrays a lack of confidence in a lot of the big matches they do in this promotion that they have to do these gimmicks all the time. I think it's something that they just feel like that these are what pops numbers at this point. Yeah. I think that, you're both that, saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Just put the mm-hmm. fucking match on. Uh, Andrade was uh, backstage with Alex Abrahantes in a fedora. Alex tells Andrade that Tony Khan said he could knock down the forbidden door and win titles anywhere. Andrade asks about the death triangle and he wants to, uh, wants Alex to give them a message that El Idolo is looking for. So Andrade's uh, assistant guy who doesn't speak much, you know, significant upgrade over Vicky as far as a second for Andrade. So fucking Abrahantes, is he, you know, on the AW payroll as an interviewer and also managing Pinta? It appears that way. Stupid. I thought last week they were trying to, like, almost make him unrecognizable when he was interviewing Andrade. Like, you know, this is a different person. Like, maybe we're supposed to believe that. But then they just pulled it all together in this segment. So I guess not. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Do we think, could Andrade just, like, team up with those guys? Can that be why he's looking for them instead of feuding with them? Well, they uh, did They, they did a call special attention to, hey, you can uh, go win titles anywhere and kick down the forbidden door. So that was, seemed important. Is that just about the Omega title challenge? I mean, that's what I heard, but I don't. I, mean, I don't know. Are Pentagon and Phoenix still the AAA tag titles champions? Yes, I think so. Yes, they are. I mean, so that, that might be a, that might be a thing for him to do with somebody. It's something like I. There is a ways to get Andrade Alidolo. Like, I don't know if it's if it's rehab at this point. I'm just wondering because. It just seems that this is just not working, you know, like maybe having Death Triangle, knowing like the three of those guys in some sort of feud or storyline there could kind of pull it back together. But at this point, it's just like Alex Everhantes. And then it just I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's frustrating because we all have seen Andrade before this. And it's just like, what has happened at this point? Yeah, I mean, he's, to- he's totally flat. They totally, they totally blew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, fucked, they fucked up big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. But, but I don't know if it's their fuck up because, like, there's other places it's, he's been having it's matches. For sure. and- he, yeah, he, he could have had a better match with Matt Seidel. That's true. But, uh, you know, that's you look past John Moxley's, you know, plotting matches and, and little elbow strikes because they do so much right and he does so much right as John right. Moxley. Uh, when you present. Andrade, a very talented guy who's been successful the world over, uh, and present him entirely with somebody else's weaknesses, 
not even not even like you bring in a manager to like hide you know uh his weaknesses and accent his strengths and like speak for him and all these other things no you bring in a terrible manager and have her introduce him in a bunch of segments that don't make any fucking logical sense uh and you're just sabotaging him from the beginning and it's like you're not even you don't even have a metric by which to judge him uh because he's got so much baggage immediately weeks upon weeks of bag and it's something like this transition to like this manservant who is just kind of there it doesn't fix anything with him like the presentation of him has not changed at all basically other they they other than vicky's not wasn't around this weekend it just still felt as awkward so like it, it i don't know with him now at this point it's so sick that they have literally since that first week had Andrade talk every fucking week. It's like that's like the <laughs> one thing he's not great at. <laughs> he's great at everything else. They have the, the a manager who doesn't talk. He does not talk. Let, let him fucking speak Spanish. Yes, that's also fine. They've they've already committed to pre-taping these and subtitling, uh, subtitling, yeah, subtitling them. Yeah. yeah, just let him talk in Spanish for Christ's right. sake. No, it's like. It's, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's insulting to the audience and to him to subtitle his English, because if you pay attention, you can understand him perfectly fine. Yeah, you're not. You're not getting a bunch of feeling. You're not getting a bunch of, uh, you know, pathos from Andrade speaking English. You're just kind of getting, uh, the understanding of his words. Right. But to fucking do that and put the subtitles on there, yeah, just let him fucking speak Spanish and be real and organic in himself uh and maybe say something that will you know uh, ignite some sort of interest in someone yeah I no they, they, they've totally fucking botched every step of the way with this guy yeah yeah uh, they've, they've, you should just it, say it, no pasa nada and that, that's yeah it. say no pasa nada and make the call to joe f and cough and bring in rush and dragon lee like i've been i've been hammering this for a while like that's the one thing because you have rush there and you don't need to have andre cut a single promo ever uh, the FTW title shot or match was next. Uh, Ricky Starks beat Brian Cage with a spear after Hobbs hit Cage with the belt. And then Cody, in a white suit, runs out to commentary, grabs a headset. He says, uh, Tommy End slash Malachi Black, a phone call would have sufficed. What we don't do is kick a 62-year-old man. Someone pointed out that, of course, Sting also 62. <laughs> uh, he wants a mic. He says he doesn't win every fight he's involved in, but he has a better chance when he knows it's coming. Wants Malachi Black to come out here and answer him. We see Malachi Black on the Tron. He tells some story about a horse that I really couldn't follow. Uh, and he says... <laughs> it's, it's that when a horse is old, you put it down. Got it. That that yeah. makes sense. He says, they don't have it anymore. When I looked you in the eye last week, it wasn't there anymore. It seems like he could have just said that. That would have been a good, a good promo. Uh, I kind of like the weird spooky bullshit no that's not true i, I, I like don't do I this like, to yourself buddy <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to defend this no um <laughs> i don't know it felt like it felt like the kind of stupid shit you would see on a tron in the attitude era or whatever where somebody's taking yeah, too was, long a metaphor yeah that was bad uh, <laughs> it might be bad but i i it, it harkened back to something i enjoyed i think <laughs> I like Cody's white suit to, you know, just be as unsubtle as possible. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cody um, says, why don't you come down here and take a better look? Malachi says, I hope you would say that. The lights go out. He's in the ring. 
they brawl. Everything about this segment was great, except for the the black promo in the middle, because it like Cody was so hot and it slowed everything down in the middle when you could have just kept this heated the whole time, I think. Yeah, yeah, Cody did do a good job bringing a lot of intensity and, yeah. uh, you know, real seeming fire uh, to his part of this. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the volume of it was like maybe my biggest issue with it. It didn't seem like it was playing well in the arena because you couldn't hear him very well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. If they would just call him Tommy in to get rid of the stupid fucking eye thing, this would all be fine with me. <laughs> I would be like, this is fine. He he's he he can't he said that Cody doesn't have it, so he's going to kill Arn Anderson. Uh, and he dresses all black and he's like a spooky kickboxing guy. Uh, and he doesn't have a stupid spooky name that all, all that would all be great with me, but that he has to be like, Oh, there's a dark creature living in my ocular <laughs> cavity is just the height of stupidity. I, I didn't get to say this on the live show last week, but really has like goth kickboxer, David Berman vibes for me. Like, that's the thing that, like, that does it. But, like, yeah, no, it's just so, like, bizarre, like, the idea of, like, doing this. When, like, Cody, like, of course, Cody's role is that everyone comes in and feuds to him, feuds with Cody to start, and the crowd's all into it. And then you just, like, talk about killing a horse. And, you know, like, the, it just was just so disjointed. Like, the, like, you somehow, like, just have, like, the, you have, like, Cody start talking, and then the lights go out, and the lights go back up, and it's Tommy in the ring, and they start brawling. Perfect segment perfect segment there i mean it's just it disjointed is like the way about like a lot of the issues i think i have in the promotion is just things are just very disjointed at times what's wild too if you listen to that cody promo it's the first time i've ever heard a cody promo and heard dusty like the way that he said that whole thing at the beginning about like a phone call would have sufficed it was like Mm just the way he said that was perfect dusty but it fit the moment you know so it was nice it's just the thing with cody is it hasn't happened yet but i wonder if there are diminishing returns of like i can only see him get worked up so many times when i know he's gonna forget about this in three weeks (laughs) (laughs) yeah and never mention it again but i'm still i'm still on board He, he reeled me in here but i think uh AEW has proven a lot of cases is that wrestling fans will give you so many chances to make something work and to put on a show that they like and to, you know, give them to, to allow them to chase that feeling that they had when they were kids or whatever. So yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know that for most people there will be diminishing with returns with Cody. Cause I think probably most people are just in on him all the way. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, you really have to break people's faith over years and years and years and years and years. And then they'll go, I I just don't think it's going to turn around. I got to find something else. That's, that's, I think, pretty much the story of AEW. I mean, God, I, I watched WWE up until, I don't know, four or five years ago at this point when it was awful. <laughs> yeah. No, and you just go, oh, I just that I want that one of oh, the Kevin Steen, John Cena had one match in a year. Yeah, that made me go. Oh wow, they might be onto something here. If they can ride this, they're gonna turn it all around, baby. It's coming home. Uh, and we had Santana and Ortiz backstage with uh, Tully walking by. Santana says, "You decided to walk these halls alone." And they pretend to attack him. They tell him they respect their elders, but next time he won't be so lucky. He yells about finding his boys. Uh, Hangman Page. Well, you you talked about this, uh, Mike. This was your pick. Uh, but essentially, 
Hangman Page does the thing about, you know, I need the championship. Dark Order's right, so I'm going to challenge for it. Don Callis cuts him off, tells him he's not that guy. This leads to Matt Jackson getting in the ring and uh, running down uh, Hangman Page and telling him uh, that he's a drunk and he's the next great wrestling tragedy, which I thought was a pretty pretty hard line here. It's like, ah. Heavy shot. It was I defended. I defended Matt as a mic guy a lot. This was not one of his stronger. It was not very promos, good. you know, performances. Didn't have great content here. Uh, you know, I think he had the one point which is like, oh, I can still spot on your breath, and that was yeah, pretty much it. The fit was really carrying everything for for Matt here. Uh, Page attacked him. You know, elite and uh, are around the ring. Omega sneaks in to hit him. Dark Order stops him. Yeah, they proposed this five versus five elimination match. And then there's this thing about if the Dark Order team wins, he gets a shot at Omega, plus th- there's a tag title shot. I wasn't clear exactly who gets the tag title shot. Maybe they meant that to be. Well, Silver's is still injured, right? Silver's not cleared, is he? Uh, I believe he's still injured, yeah. So I, I assume I assume the Bucks want to do a program with the Smash Brothers because they've wanted yeah. to for years and years and years. Right. That makes sense. So I'm guessing I'm guessing it's... Uh, you know, Page, Smash Brothers, Colton Reynolds. But then they they did this weird thing where Omega said, if you lose, they don't get the tag title shot and you don't get your shot. But it's like we hadn't established that he definitely gets a shot already. So I thought this was kind of a confusing no. stipulation. Uh, no, but but he is the number one ranked guy. Yeah. So you can kind of go, you have to forfeit your shot, even though you're number one ranked. That makes sense. Yeah, but they yeah. just should have said that. I mean, it would have been an easy way to... I think it. the crowd understood it. Yeah, well, I did. I, I feel like it was so implied. Maybe I'm dumb, but I didn't understand it. I was like, well, that wasn't really established yet. But anyway, that's what happened. Uh, Paige says the Dark Order does not back down from a fight. Uh, was this notable or not? Was this the first time Paige called himself a member of the Dark Order? Yeah, he did include mm-hmm. himself, I think, in the Dark Order there. But uh, I think it was. I think he firmly stated they're just friends with benefits in the past. So. Yeah, maybe maybe he's uh, finding the lines becoming blurred, and he's starting to catch some feelings. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be notable, but it felt notable. Yeah, I'll, go, it did. I'll check the Hangman thread later to see if it's been updated. <laughs> Chris Jericho's with Alex Marvez. He says he'll do anything to face MJF, you know, but he's a little wordier about it. Sean Spears attacks him. I don't know where they are. Jericho's house or something. I kind of I feel like this was something they, they taped a week ago in Miami and oh, trotted yeah. out here. Kind of yeah. had that look. Yeah. Uh, MJF says that he's also there, and he says that Jericho's first labor will be next week against Sean Spears. The stipulation is Sean Spears can use a chair, but Jericho can't. That's a fun stip. That's a that's a good sort of heel stip that makes sense for MJF and Sean Spears' character. You know, the segment was just an absolute nothing where it's like, okay, yeah, no, the the 30th attack angle on this show and the 500th in this feud, I'm not moved by it whatsoever. No, you, this could have just been announced in a graphic, I think. <laughs> yeah. Would have had the same. Would have been the yeah, same, same impact. But it is good because obviously nobody would buy Sean Spears in a match versus Jericho. So at least you give something to even it up. So I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also we get the chance that Sean Spears can go head hunting. You know, I mean, that's the one hope with him. That's right. Uh, Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy was next. Christian won with the kill switch. And then they had the angle afterwards that I already discussed. Uh, Miro pre-tape, he says, there was once a man who had a hot wife who could do the splits. The man was hot too, but he was lost. 
And he talks. Wait, to- is he talking about himself or Kip? Oh wow! Are we? We're on. We're on layers now. We need a Miro oh, threat. Wow. Well, he went on to it's, say the man. His wife did the splits on this show. That's true. And Kip is hot. So this is hard. Uh, we're on levels. We're on levels. But then he this. said this Layers. man. This I think it was Miro. He said this man destroyed everyone, but he forgave them on the spot. That's why he was God's favorite champion. Uh, he's willing mm. to defend his title against anyone. He is the redeemer and he debuts a new belt, which a uh, friend of the show, Belts by Dan, has posted. And uh, it's ugly. Did uh, did anybody get mad that the belt was too similar to the old belt? I, uh, I, I'm more mad that I think white strap belts usually look bad. Like, that's my only belt mark kind of comment there. I, I think it's cool it has the Bulgarian motto on it. I think that's cool. Yeah, I'm still mad he keeps burying his own gamer storyline with Kip Sabian, which was good all along. Billy Mitchell did not show up for this. Slender. No. Right. All right. Uh, this was kind of the thing I was talking about earlier where you had three talking things in a row. Because then we had Britt Baker with Tony. Uh, she says no one should be concerned about her well-being because she's dealt with a lot more than going through a table. And she came out the baddest bitch on the block. I mean, is this a... I think Jade is going to have something to say about this. So, so if you think you see fear in Britt's eyes, you better look again. Uh, she knows that Nyla's beaten her before and she's at the top of the food chain, but Britt is off the menu. Pretty good line. I thought this was, uh, you know, she's been in a tough spot where she was like a heel who got, you know, received as a baby face once we got crowds back. This was a very good promo as far as she's like the baby face in this feud, but her character is still the same heel character that she's been, you know, kind of a kind of a hard middle lane to find, I think, but they got it here. Well, it's it's difficult because she's also right in her promo. Like when she says, you know, Vicky has her last name, but Nyla needs the title to have any significance. Well, no fucking kidding, because Nyla just disappears when she's not the champion in this promotion. So it's like, yeah, it's a difficult role for her because uh, she's just correct about what she's saying as the heel. Uh, then they had this weird thing where Vicky yelled at her while her oh. music was playing. I thought this was great that they... I didn't get you know, it at all. The, the, well, they have a camera there watching people watch TV, which is a pro wrestling trope that has always been stupid and silly. But they're like, no, we're actually going to give you uh, you know, the opposing party's uh, counterpoint to the State of the Union, and they're just going to address the camera and respond directly. I thought it was very efficient use of time. Turn uh, the music is, down is all I'm saying. Is important. I do... Uh, Nyla's promo here, uh, in her uh, you know, catchphrase or whatever, all better than anything Vicky had to do you know, doesn't need Vicky whatsoever. Uh, she should just do what uh, Lance Archer's doing and shove Vicky off the screen and go, no, I'm going to fucking promo now and I'm going to be intense and I'm going to say my shit directly to the camera uh, and it would have been even better. Nyla said, I'm going to hand you an ass-whipping world class. <laughs> yeah, it's such a cool line. I don't know why. I don't either, uh, but I liked it. World class, they're in Dallas next week. Maybe. Okay. Maybe I'm just... Taking a guess there. That's, That's but, yeah, possible. No. That makes mm-hmm. sense. But yeah, but even just the weird diction where she put the adjective after the noun was like, oh, that was uh, unique and <laughs> piqued my interest for that reason. Uh, then we had a, a John Moxley uh, backstage promo. 
where he says one does not beat Lance Archer. You survive, blah, blah, blah. He won't stop coming after me. There's only one boogeyman in New Japan and AEW. It's me. Next week in Dallas, you're Texas dead. This was a really bad Moxley promo, I thought. This whole, this challenge in general, I'm just on fast forward. Just get to the Tanahashi match already. I don't, (laughs) I I know Lance Archer's not winning this belt. Absolutely no way. So let's just get on with it. Yeah, I pretty much agree. Uh, Then we had Sammy Guevara versus Wheeler Utah. Utah, Utah. Uh, I'm sorry. You mean Wheeler Uter? (laughs) Yes, I do. Sammy won with the GTH. Had never seen Wheeler Yuta before. I thought he was uh, fine. thought he was good. He had some cool spots that got good reactions from the crowd, for sure. Um, He's got a cool look. Know. Yeah, he has a unique look that I think works well for him. But yeah, you, you know, there was like in 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 another promotion, right? He would have come out here and he would have been like booed. Uh, and he would have fucked up one spot and the crowd would have booed him. And, you know, they would have just been like, kill this guy, Sammy. I don't know who he is. Get him off the screen. Uh, but of course, the WCW crowds of old were always more tolerant of new talent uh, on TV. So it was like, you know, he wasn't really doing much. He was just there to make Sammy shine. Uh, but then they gave him like a couple of standout spots. He got a little bit of his shit in and the crowd was like, oh, OK, this guy can do some neat stuff. I think it's like perfect for this spot. Well, they also smartly connected him to an overact. I think that helped. And Definitely that showed true. a level of care that you don't always get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like they must be high on this guy because uh, they, you know, gave him this spot, have already associated him with their big star Orange Cassidy. So, yeah. Uh, then we had the QT backstage segment. That was nothing. Yuka Sakazaki versus Penelope Ford. Yuka won with the Magical Girl Splash. Um, it, uh, what I saw about half of it was quite good. Yeah, no, I, I saw all of it, of course, on the fight TV feed. Uh, I thought it was a good match. Uh, you know, uh, Penelope Ford say it every time continually underused because she always seems to deliver in these spots. Um, and Yuka, you know, was getting good reactions despite this being her first television in eons, the finish, the magical little splash, like they shot it so you could really see her standing on the rope about to jump off and you really got an appreciation for how hard that fucking spot is uh, the way they shot it and showed that you're like oh like it'd be extremely hard to do this uh yeah absolutely i'm interested in what they do with yuka is she just oh, go- i think i think it's i think it's very clearly uh you know they, they only have time for the brit baker program in this division so they're just heating her up for the next brit baker title defense yeah, I was just trying to figure out, which I guess there's enough time that they can do if they, they're doing Nyla next week. So, you know, three weeks from now, they can do the match with Yuka and Britt and that works yep. out. Yuka leaves, Yuka goes home. Yeah, I was like, as soon as I saw this match booked, it's like, well, they're not doing anything for either of these uh, women except, you know, building one up to lose to Britt next and Yuka's mm-hmm. the logical one there well I, I was curious for a second because at the start of this match they're like oh penelope ford's eight and one and i was like fuck are they just gonna bring out yuka and she's gonna lose her first match on dynamite but no i was kind of like you know i wonder what penelope thinks because you know this is her home promotion and she's right underused and usually delivers um and you know has a winning record and he's like oh no you're gonna be here to lose to yuka because yuka's the next title challenger you know, I would probably be like, hmm, I wonder why I'm not the next title challenge. Do y'all think that 
how long do y'all think Yuka Yuka's going to be here through July? Is she staying until August? I uh, I don't know. I think it was. I think they said her excursion was like a month. Yeah, the sense I got was it was just for the month of July. I, yeah, I feel like now the wins next week, and then Yuka's the week after that, or maybe one week after that. Yeah, because I, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and Fight for the Fallen's in Charlotte, and then eight three they're doing the homecoming in Jacksonville. I'm looking at that Pittsburgh uh, Dynamite, and that's where I'd want to have that match, like Britt's next title match, and it's a nice like little like uh, reflection considering she had that title match against Riho, but, like being able to do that there. But it, it, I don't know if they have enough time for Yuka at this point. Yeah, it seems she only has like two maybe, more shows then. Yeah, it seems like maybe one week too far away. I right, feel like they yeah. just fighter because just because Fighter Fest has a name feels like they might go, hey, women's title defense. That's well, yeah. Well, you mean <clears throat> fight for the fallen, right? Would yes, be the, that's what I mean. Yep, right. The next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see her sticking around one more week. You know, like the first, um, that first week in August before she goes back. And I'm not looking at the Tokyo Joshi Pro schedule, so I'm not sure when they run early in August. And she, I don't know. Does she have to? Does she still have to quarantine when she goes back? Two yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know when their next, when their big August show is, but they probably want her back for that. I just don't think that this title shot's happening. I'm just looking at the schedule, and unless they're going to go back to back, I just don't see it's happening. Well, that'll be very dumb if it doesn't happen. Yeah, I don't see any reason to bring her over if not. Uh, And then the main event, Darby Allen versus Ethan Page. Darby put Ethan in the coffin after a skateboard double stomp, and then uh, a coffin drop for good measure with his... uh, the plate, the back plate that he also unveiled at the beginning of the match, which was funny. Anyway, that was dynamite. I think we were more. I think we were nitpicky during our breakdown of the show, and we were all much more positive about the show. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I guess so. But I really yeah. like the show. This is as much as I've liked the show in some time. Honestly, I thought it was one of the better shows they've had. I'm yeah, so glad I, crowds are back. Yeah, crowds no. are back. Yeah, you also have cut down on your required wrestling viewing. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, also, I don't know if this is good or bad, but Sarah's been gone for like, I don't know, it feels like a month now. I'm um, having to care for myself. Uh, that's going poorly. Uh, you know, so it was nice to have my, my friends in AEW back on the television. You know, that was that probably helped. Yeah, it, it's something that I really enjoyed the show, even though there was like the things we point out here. But I'm also like of the school that you hold the things you, you love dear to the fire and you give criticism to it. So, yeah. Yeah, it was good. I hope they hope they keep it up. Uh, that was Dynamite for this week. Uh, if you like our show, the best way to support it is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. We've got, I don't know, a month left of, uh, well, not real, I guess just two weeks left of the old way that we've been doing Patreon. It'll all start fresh in August with a, a new lineup, a new way we're doing things. Uh, but we've still got bonus shows going uh this week well bleeding into last week i suppose our our bonus show was mike and drew's live report from miami for road rager yeah no that was a whole lot of fun there is a better version now up there was uh, some production issues that uh we had to take care of but no it was absolute blast and there's another show of drew that will be coming to patreon sometime soon yes i think that'll 
probably on Monday that'll that'll pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also, of course, have been doing our our light show, our dynamite preview, and then Nate breaks down uh, the vlogs. We're going to keep doing that even when the Patreon changes a little bit in August. We got the Discord. Come join it. We chat during, uh, well, all the time, but especially during the shows. And of course, we also have the live weekly show immediately after uh, AEW Dynamite every week for our $8 subscribers. So head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and join us. Next week, Fighter Fest Night 2 in Garland, Texas. We've got the Jericho versus Sean Spears match, where Spears can use a chair, but Jericho can't. Orange Cassidy versus The Blade. The IWGP US title match, John Moxley versus Lance Archer. The women's title with Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose. And maybe a five versus five elimination match? Maybe? So I spent time searching everywhere. There's no mention of when this match is happening. So it could be happening this week. Could be happening in Charlotte. Could be happening in Pittsburgh. We don't know. This match yeah. is on the books, though. It, it only has to happen before All Out, right? So they've got plenty of time. Essentially. Okay, well... I I feel like I don't know. I thought maybe there were more matches, but that's all the matches I got um, for next week for Fighter Fest Night Two. But we'll be back to to talk about it then. Uh, anything else, guys? Before we get out of here? Nope. So you'll just uh, like text me when you get to Indiana or whatever. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Sarah gets in um, around one Eastern time tomorrow. So I got to pick her and her friends up from the airport. And, you know, I'll probably talk to her for a few minutes because I haven't seen her in about a week. Uh, and then I'm going to hit the road. So I think we talked about meeting around six-ish central time. I think that's right. Yeah. So if I can get out of here by, um, what's well, four and a half hours. Here's the big decision <laughs> I'm making, Nate. Tell, I, let me have your okay. thoughts on this. I'm ready. I always set up my Google Maps to avoid toll roads. Okay. I hate oh, toll wow. roads. Uh, I can basically, I can shave 10 minutes off by going toll roads to Hammond, Indiana, but I don't know that I want to pay. I'm not sure it's worth it for 10 minutes. Uh, I guess to me, yeah, no, I think when you're already in the car for four and a half, then 10 minutes is nothing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. I'm probably going to go no toll roads, but yeah, I'm going to get there. That is, you're right. That is a big decision. It is. It's huge. My question, uh, Nate, if we're going to get there around six, let Biscuit place uh-huh. at nine, what do we intend to do? Well, you said there's a fair occurring, so I'm going to get a funnel cake. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's uh, pretty much all I associate with fairs. If they have any like little mini shooting games, maybe we go oh, yeah. try and win some cheap stuffed prizes. That'd be good. Um, mm, mm, we can. That's all I got. We can see the sights and sounds of Hammond. I guess maybe for the first time, you know, for a shooting game, for the first time, maybe I'll pull up the old the lens gimmick on Patreon <laughs> as I try to uh, shoot down bottles or whatever, whatever. A yeah, fair game is not quite as good as you know doing your wedding on there, but at least it's something. Yeah, but it's content, and content is important. Okay. Content is king. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm probably the first person ever to be looking forward to going to Hammond, Indiana, but I am. You know, I was trying, I watched some movie recently that had a character that was like, oh, she's from the Midwest. And they showed a shot of Indiana and there was like Hammond auto parts. And I'm like, oh, 
this must be she must be from Hammond, and I can't remember what it was. Now. <laughs> All right. Didn't didn't IWA Mid South used to run Hammond a whole lot? That, that feels sounds like a, very likely. It feels like an IWA Mid South town. That's my only reference to him in Indiana. I I wasn't familiar with it until. Oh, you know, it might have been Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, Robert okay. Downey Jr. movie, Shane Black, where uh, the female lead was like, you know, where they actually they were both were from small town. Michelle Monaghan, the 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 was in the Mission Impossible series. Actually, the uh, Ted Petty Invitational 2005 took place in Hammond, Indiana. I had a feeling that that was an IWA. Uh, 2005, oh, that was actually a good one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I obviously have no brain, but Matt Seidel versus Kevin Steen in the final, so it was probably good. Uh, a lot. I, I just typed in cage match Hammond, Indiana, and it's like AWA ran there, WCW ran there. There was a SmackDown house show there once. I think it's, you know, it might be the Peoria of Indiana. Okay. That that makes would, sense. Would that make it the uh, Dayton of Indiana as well? I'd say Dayton is bigger than either of those. That yeah. sounds right to me. I feel like that Peoria is a pretty big town as someone who's never been there. <laughs> Peoria, Peoria is, in terms of population, uh, you know, significant in southern Illinois, but is... Better known because it's like the uh, uh, generic middle America town. That's that, that won't play in Peoria. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. often invoked by you know elite coastals people. Yes. What, uh, what's the college in Peoria? Is it Bradley, or is that further north? No, I, I so. probably have. I probably have 15 cousins I went to this college. Yeah. <laughs> I went there to, I think I've said this on the show before, but we've got new listeners by this point, probably. Uh, it is Bradley. Yes. Bradley. Yeah, I nailed it. I think it was Bradley. I went and saw uh, Brand New, Canceled, and Dashboard Confessional. I'm pretty sure it was the show. Coming, coming from Indiana canceled? for that? I don't think so. I think Innocente. Yeah, I think he's Innocente. No, I, I came from. Kentucky, I think. I I have a, a buddy who actually who I went to college with who is from Downers Grove. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, so I used to travel to Downers Grove with some regularity to hang out with him. <laughs> and I met him, maybe it was like in the summer or something, and I met him in Peoria to go to the show together. Kind of like I'm meeting you to go well, to yeah, no, that's uh, almost exactly the same because uh, I <laughs> you know, am in very close proximity to Downers Grove and used to work in Downers Grove. Yeah, so I've I've just made a lot of uh, Downers Grove adjacent. Did you live Did you live in downtown Downers Grove? No, he lived in a fucking suburb. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Downers Grove is a suburb. <laughs> um, Bowling Brook, I think, is where he actually lived. Oh, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> but he went to Downers Grove High School. One of okay. the Downers Grove High School. <laughs> Those aren't like you know. Uh, Drastically disparate cities. Those are like I just two so, but I didn't interche- interchangeable suburbs. So it's funny to be like, no, he didn't live in Downers Grove. He lived in Bollingbrook. <laughs> no, like, those are the same thing. I don't, um, but I don't know that. I'm sure. just telling you. <laughs> it, well, it's it's funny to have. Oh, remember we saw that Downers Grove sweatshirt in uh, Japan, yeah. and I, I I freaked out about. Yeah. Here's a here's a Downers Grove story. This is uh, not related to anything really. Um, in high school. 
uh, I was in the high school choir and I was next to this senior guy. Uh, I was like a sophomore or whatever. So I, I thought he was like the coolest guy in the world. He's like, oh yeah, he's really into the comedy and comedy writing and stuff. Uh, so after, after college, he went to LA and started writing comedy. Um, there was, uh, so he, he writes a web series called Downers Grove, which is like, oh, he wrote a web series about suburban life in Illinois and named it after Downers Grove, <laughs> you know, cause it's a very evocative title, Downers sure. Grove, cause it's got downer right there on it. Right. Um, so, and so he writes this web series and the lead character is in love with this girl. Uh, and the girl's name is the exact name as somebody from our choir in high school. <laughs> I was like, oh, he was in love with that girl from choir and he wrote a web series about it. And now it's, uh, you know, on the ABC Corporation website or whatever. Very awkward. Very funny to me. I was very amused. Um, you know, didn't blame him. I could relate. But <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's right. It's right there in the text. You put her whole ass name <laughs> in the show. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Yeah. Can't... Hopefully he's not listening. Be weird. That would be weird. I can't find this show this dashboard brand new show probably for the best since brand new's canceled but anyway i was like listening to brand new in the car one day with my wife and mm. uh you know i don't know if you all do know this about me or not but i just like i mean yes i do a fucking two-hour podcast every week i talk a lot i will just like say shit about shit you know no Did one you hear that anecdote I just told. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No one asked me. I'm just like, oh, by the way, Sarah, this band is canceled. And I'm like explaining the thing to her. And I'm like, I should not be listening to this, should I? <laughs> like I just in the middle of telling the story, I was like, okay, I probably can't justify continuing to listen to this band. So hmm. it's weird how that is though, right? Because there's like old bands or old artists that I know are canceled. But I don't really give a shit that much about it. It's more like if you were canceled in my time. I'm, yeah, I'm more skeptical a, of it. Everybody has their own sort of, you know, I mean, Michael Jackson should be super canceled. Right. But nobody yeah. is actually going to cancel. Like, you know, people are just like, oh, no, the the human cost of the things Michael Jackson did. We're, we're OK with paying that in order to get these, you know, 30 iconic Michael Jackson songs that everyone. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I. I still listen to Michael Jackson, obviously. I listen to Michael Jackson ballads where he's like, oh, I'm, I'm terrible. I need to change. It's like, <laughs> hmm, I wonder if this is about anything. <laughs> yeah, but but brand new or like Ryan Adams, who I always love. I just like cannot listen to Ryan Adams anymore. Yeah, that's uh, thankfully not. Neither of those are a problem. Yeah, well, they'll come for your favorites, too cancel culture will come for your favorites too <laughs> the, the wokes i mean the most the most canceled i think anybody that i've you know again i i just talked about how i was a white guy growing up in the illinois suburbs kanye west was like all i listened to for like you know three years straight or something and then it was like oh no he's like mega now it's just like i, I literally have not listened to one of his songs since. rap guys are always getting canceled that's that's also yeah that felt like 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 a that's one where you like you kind of take it personally though you're like oh no he he betrayed me personally <laughs> by doing this stupid shit you know there's other rap guys where it's like oh Lil Wayne endorsed Trump or whatever it's like who gives a fuck you don't you don't have that same relationship with Lil Wayne for whatever reason <laughs> sure sure I get that that's what you were talking about yeah uh, 
Okay, well, I guess that's all. I'll see you in <laughs> Hammond, Indiana tomorrow. Uh, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I have no fucking clue what a Limp Biscuit show in 2021 is going to look like. <laughs> who, yeah, who knows? What's the crowd going to be like? <laughs> I have no idea. But I can't Are y'all going to get out. any jazz out of Fred Durst? I, apparently, he's really into that now. Um, I hope. Number one, I hope so. <laughs> Number two, I hope he. I hope he directs a John Travolta movie while we're there. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the good thing about seeing them play at a fair is they have to just play the hits. I mean, they can't play anything <laughs> else but the hits. I am just imagining break stuff in 2021. Yeah, it's gonna fucking Hammond rock. And- <laughs> Nate, are we gonna get in the pit or what? Um, could I guess you know. <laughs> It's it's gonna a lot of it's gonna depend on sizing up the crowd. Sure, sure. I'm imagining what a pit looks like for this now. I got, well, oh, yeah, I need to print out my ticket. I need to make sure it's I... like a municipal festival thing, which is right, also like, yeah. Are there gonna be families and shit? kids? Probably right. It's like if there's kids in the pit, I don't want to go in there and elbow some 14 year old girl in the head. Like I do. That'd be bad to me. Okay, <laughs> Talk that I... shit open this pit up. <laughs> <laughs> that that gives me distinct uh flashbacks to you know being 14 years old in like the 311 pit and the girls you arrive with are all like crying and like oh i lost my shoe and you're like oh we just the whole thing is ruined now <laughs> all right does that happen yeah all right well we'll we'll be back to report on limp biscuit and hammond indiana uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter for that at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya. subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review on the Apple podcast app. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe or go to manscape.com slash this is and buy something. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. So that's it uh, for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.